0: Good day, and welcome back to part two of the Great Cartoon Extravaganza. So, listen, I realized that I was going back and listening to the the other episode, the previous episode, kind of re-listening to it, making sure everything flows as it should, uh, came to the conclusion that I had suggested possibly having a cliffhanger because this was the two-part episode, and I completely forgot to do one. So, here's the deal. We're going to use our imaginations. Because we have that luxury. We can be creative and we can make up whatever we want, right? Uh, the points don't matter and the rules are all made up. So here we go. So imagine this. We, here's the cliffhanger. Imagine mid-scene, Bo and Luke Duke flying through the air, paused, of course, because it was a cliffhanger, you see. They were being chased in hot pursuit by Rascal P. Coltrane in the General Lee. They turn a corner... And just as they're about to find their way down a dirt road in Smuggler's Notch, oh, the bridge is out. What do you do? You punch it, Bo. And sure enough, the General Lee soars through the air, lands gracefully on the other side. Roscoe slams on his brakes, but not in time because... Enos and Cletus are right behind them, and sure enough, one hits Roscoe, and one hits the other. So, biggity-bam, you got a three-car pile-smoky pile-up. All right, so there was the cliffhanger. But anyways, um, yeah, I figured that's how we'd start things off today. Why not, right? It's all in good fun. And uh, who doesn't love a good car chase, especially when you have to imagine it? As somebody's talking about it, and it's not nearly as cool as it would be if you were watching it on on TV or live uh, in person. Of course, if you were like you know back in that country road. Anyways, I'm getting off topic here, but this is part two of the great cartoon extravaganza, where we're going to talk about two more pieces. And um, let me just say, uh, or ask you rather, you know, what you looking for? what you looking for. Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast. Marley Mates, we got what you're looking for. This pair of episodes are going to talk about a variety of recent work that in a way kind of reconnects with the roots that I, I kind of started with, with having cartoons and, and cartoon-like characters um, as, as kind of that initial subject of how I got into drawing in the first place. And it kind of reconnects with those roots and and brings it into the, into the present in a somewhat different style, but influenced and inspired by my beginnings. And so I also still, I mean, I I have a number of other pieces that are ongoing and in progress in the same style, but, um, this one right now, I just, I've I've started to kind of collect these a little bit and I want to, I want to document them. So these are, uh, are based on upcycled thrift shop art, but obviously that's nothing new for this program and something we've done plenty of times and talked about before. Slightly different though, these are all canvas prints of images, uh, whether it's photography or just kind of like that mass-produced kind of canvas art. But I, I got them all at thrift shops. And what I did next was I simply drew cartoon characters a a character or characters on top of them, over them, and then painted over that print on the drawing. And with the exception of one, I didn't alter the background, rather just added the character. So totally out of place, just plopped it right into it, uh, done in traditional, simple, animated style. Most were just going back to those days of drawing again. Of course, I mostly work with acrylic paint now, but it's nice to draw. I mean, each one of these required drawing and then painting and then you know, layer after layer. So I would draw before, paint, draw after, uh, paint during, draw during. And so that's, that's kind of the fun of mixed media. And so this is what we've got. Mixed media is fun like that. Um, so yeah, that's the deal. The first piece that we're going to talk about today on part two of the great cartoon extravaganza is a piece called Ren and Stimpy. Can you imagine who it's about? Yeah, you know. It's Ren and Stimpy. Uh, for those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s, Ren and Stimpy were plank owners, essentially part of the founding fathers of the nickelodeon Nicktoons uh, lineup. So we had Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, Doug. They all kind of premiered at or around the same time when the Nicktoons became a thing. And... It was crazy because this was just an absolute insane cartoon. Borderline, if not crossing the line, inappropriate in so many different ways. So many innuendos. Just incredible. Disgusting. And just perfectly amazing. Uh, the type of thing that kids of uh, several ages, and even adults for that matter, could just get behind and crack up because it was just it was just so out there and why not? So I decided to do a piece about them and again this is another upcycled thrift shop canvas print. This was not a photograph, it was a reproduction of somebody's work, I don't know who it was. Uh, It was an interesting kind of layout. It was kind of cool actually just in and of itself but it, it had an appearance of what looks like just kind of aged painted like crackled wood and over top of that in the center which the piece that I painted over completely just kind of covers that entirely but it was like an airbrushed rose or some type of a flower of course I'll I'll post all the befores and afters um, on the Facebook and in the Instagram and of course you know if you haven't gone on there yet please be sure to check it out you can see all the the stuff that we talk about on the show You'll see all the pieces there, especially if they're upcycled pieces, you'll see a before and after. So be sure to go onto the Facebook and Instagram and check it out. Like and subscribe, as the kids say. I don't even know what that means, but they, they say it on, on, on things for social media. I'm just a dumb guy talking about my, my artwork. But anyways, so it's a classic Red and Stimpy. And if you can recall, I could practically hear the theme song playing in my head again. I can see the boys at the dog pound, even though Stimpy's a cat, but the whole thing and at the end, they, they kind of crash through this canvas scene in the beginning, and it looks like a just a classic intro. And so all around that is what I tried to recreate. And so I have the the characters poking their heads right through the middle of the canvas. You know, Ren's looking off to the right, Stimpy's looking off to the left, Stimpy's got his big dumb tongue hanging out, and there's like kind of a, a torn canvas around them with a black uh, background behind them kind of poking through the, the hole in the piece. And so it's just really innocent, very simple, both just kind of staring off. Stimpy's got that kind of clueless look about him because he he's just got that kind of dumb cat, big, dumb, fat cat character. And uh, he's classic. He's, he's got a kind of a glazed over look in his eye. There's different shades of red to, to cover his fur. His tongue's big and sloppy with shades of, of pink and some cream and some white on there. His uh, his mouth area is primarily white with some light blue kind of shading. Nose, great big blue nose, and uh, some lighter shades, lighter blue and, and white around that. And that's kind of snippy, just all happy-go-lucky. Wren was always kind of angry in the, in the, in the show. On this, he's more just kind of calm and quiet. He's actually got a smile on his face, but he's a little Chihuahua, and he's got primarily based in cream colors and some some beige, some tans in there. Um, everything, of course, was drawn out in Sharpie and then painted over, detailed again. So I've got elements of pink in his ears and around his eyes, and uh, just little little embellishments here and there, little details and it's a, it was a cool piece to do. It took a little while because of the, the type of, whatever the canvas print was on it, there were some certain areas that it kept kind of coming through. So there were some areas that I had to paint multiple layers of multiple coats, which isn't very common, but luckily at least, because I was dealing mostly with solid colors and then other just kind of other colors on top of that to add the detailed work, None of it was, like, necessarily blended or, or had to be mixed. And so it was just kind of extra layers to, to make sure that those didn't come through. But it was a lot of fun to do those, uh, do these guys. The original piece itself was meant to be more of a, a portrait style, and I rotated it 90, 90 degrees so that it was horizontal. And that way it kind of helps to take away from what the original image was. But if as you look at it, it just seems like they're up against just a – a basic wooden background, kind of that classic old-aged uh, crackled painted wood. And otherwise, it's uh, it was finished on 3 June of 23. Actually, both of the pieces that I'm going to discuss today were done simultaneously and both finished at the same time. Uh, the dimensions for this piece are 12 by just not quite 16. So um, just just a hair shy of 12 by 16, and that's Ren and Stimpy. So here's another random thought for you, and it's not so much a random thought as much as it is a story, but it was a story that was so interesting to me that I had to share it with you, and it has to do with a dream that I had, but it, it goes back even before the dream, because there was a matter of influence, a uh, significant amount of influence, actually. Um, as I sit here and record this right now, it is July 3rd of 2023. And even though it's a little premature, not to me, but to many, um, some places already have Halloween merchandise on the shelves, a little bit, just a, just a, just a skosh. But um, Lowe's has all of their merchandise available online. And so because of the time of year that it is, this is when I start to, to work on stuff. And I felt the itch. So my, uh, my ceilings in my apartment are only nine feet tall. So I don't have the room for a 12-foot Skelly. But I decided that instead I would buy a six-foot Freddy. And so I did. I bought a a six-foot animatronic Freddy Krueger. And he's awesome. He's very cool. He says a a variety of different phrases and good stuff. So while I ordered him, picked him up a few days ago, and when I assembled him, I decided, I'm going to put on a nightmare film. Let me watch uh, Freddy's Dead. And there's a scene in the film where they try to hold him and bring him back from the dream realm when they were asleep, the characters in the film. And somehow that played into my own dream. And of course, I love old wrestling, the the wrestling that I grew up on. And obviously that was a huge inspiration for you know creating my own wrestling persona of the Star Spangler. And I had a dream that somehow or another I worked for Vince McMahon. and uh, something had happened, something went wrong, it failed. It had nothing to do with the business itself. It was just the fact that I, I worked for him and something happened. And he came at me very upset, very angry, and he was like, you know, give me the business, yelling at me about something, uh, whatever it was that took place. And I wasn't going to just like sit there and take it. And he's obviously a, a fairly intimidating person, even at his age, he's, he's built, he's, he's very powerful. He, you know, uh, is very, very stern and, and driven. And yet in my dream, you know, I had the nuts to not really sit there and take it from him. And I was giving it right back to him. And we were kind of going back and forth. So that's kind of how it started. Then all of a sudden, boom, I'm in the ring. And I must have been the challenger because I was there first. I was already in the ring. I wasn't introduced. I don't even know if I was in character or what the circumstance was. I couldn't really see myself, but that was kind of beside the point. And there's a crowd there and the, the rings there. And, and then they introduced my opponent and it's the Hulkster. Which was cool, but at the same time, where everything else leading up to this point seemed fairly uh, normal for a dream is concerned. This is where it gets kind of weird, because while they're introducing him, I'm trying to exit the ring so that he can do his entrance and have his, his big thing like he does. Because he's known for that, and the fans love it, and he's he's awesome. He's the Hulkster, right? What you going to do, brother? And as I'm trying to exit the ring, there are, like, multiple versions of him. And, like, he's not even interested in doing his, his ring antics, like, leading up to the match. He's just, like, he's coming at me. And I'm just trying to, like, not, I'm not running away. I'm just trying to get away. Like, I'm just trying to, like, be, you know, separate. So before the match starts, like, And I'm not like running from him. I'm just, I don't know. It's, it was odd. But like everywhere I turned, every time I look around, every time I move in a different direction, like he's right there. He's like just a couple of feet away. And so I go to roll into the ring. So basically like anybody who's ever watched wrestling would be able to visualize like, you know, you're at the edge of the ring on the floor level. So obviously it's elevated and you'd go to just kind of like roll into the ring under the ropes. So in my dream, that's what I did. I went to roll into the ring. Well, <laughs> where the dream realm took over and reality uh, met, basically the, the worlds collided. I was able to successfully essentially grab my version of Freddy Krueger and bring him into the real world when I went to roll into the ring and rolled right the hell out of my bed. And the way my bed is, I'm looking over my shoulder and looking at it right now, there's a good maybe, maybe two feet between my bed and the wall. I have a tiny little end table that's right next to it with a lamp, and that's where I charge my phone at night. And then I have three pieces on the floor, leaned up against the the wall. One of them is a canvas piece, which I did the first Facebook Live on, the four faces. And then the other two are a couple of vintage Halloween bags that are just like trick-or-treat bags that I, I framed because they're cool. And that's it. Well, as I projected myself out of the bed, I slammed into the wall as if I was like taking bumps in the ring. It was awesome. Like I woke up, And I'm like what in the holy hell is going on? I had no idea what was happening um I had just transitioned from the dream realm into reality and I smashed up against the wall rolled out of bed I'm sure I hit the end table um And of course I smashed into these three pieces that were leaned up against the wall The only one that really took any damage was the one in the middle and sure enough my fat ass just smacked right into it and shattered the glass I didn't get cut. There wasn't a huge mess. It was all contained in the frame, but it was just like, it was like the closest thing I've ever had to a real match. And here it was just me just falling out of bed, basically. But I did it with such force and precision that it was just like, it was crazy. And like, it was probably, I don't know, quarter to four. So a little ways before my alarm typically goes off. And I was just like stunned. And I kind of like sat up and I looked at, looked around, you know, my, my championship belt was still there from the podcast. So I, that wasn't at risk. So we were good. I looked at the frame and I'm like, oh man, but it's just glass. I could fix it. And I already have. And, uh, kind of straightened up the table and crawled back into bed. But at that point I was so amped up. I didn't even attempt to go back to sleep. I just sat there and kind of reflected on what happened And I told the story a handful of times already, and it was really kind of cool just to continue to think about. And there's a lot of times where with dreams, like, they might be super vivid in the moment, and then as the day goes on, you just kind of forget about them. But I don't think I'm going to forget about this one. But either way, I wanted to record it because even though it has really nothing to do with anything artistic, I guess you could say that I have... um, transcended, transcended into the dream realm with creativity, I guess. Maybe that's a stretch. I don't know, but there's a lot of influence with things that I use on a regular basis. Obviously, I just recently did uh, the podcast about that Freddy Krueger piece. And I've sensed like when I bought the animatronic, I've churched it up and, and made modifications to it to, to make it better, um, repainted certain areas and kind of, weathered and distressed some other spots. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess in a way it kind of fits into the show, but even if it doesn't, I I just still wanted to tell the story anyways because I felt like it was worth telling. So, I loved it. It was fun. I'm still kind of like digging it, but hopefully you got a kick out of the story. I know we all have silly dreams and circumstances about getting up and sleepwalking and things like that, but um, yeah, just thought I'd share it with you because that's what I do. The second piece on today's program is titled Mouse. This one kind of deviates a little bit from the others in that I use the classic cartoon style but I also did a little bit more stuff in the background and I tried to experiment with a couple of different techniques and this piece altogether kinda has a handful of different things going on at the same time. So let me break it down a little bit it's uh, It was a 12 by 16 upcycled canvas uh, thrift shop print. The print itself was kind of a, just like a, a wine scene. It was like a, a an image of like a very, <clears throat> excuse me, stone wall with wine and grapes. And like you could see like there's a stone archway and in the background there's a vineyard. Just kind of, I don't know, just kind of basic, kind of not really... Anything super cool, just uh, whatevs. And what I did with that was I also rotated that 90 degrees. But this originally started as a horizontal image, and I, I rotated it to the to the left, counterclockwise, to get super scientific, 90 degrees. And so I just had it as a as an upstanding piece that way. What I did for this, I told you the the title of it was called Mouse. This was a nod to Mickey Mouse but to the 1920s era Mickey Mouse. So I tried to do him very much in the classic black and white or the grayscale and I wanted to challenge myself to, to be able to do not the entire piece but just the character himself in the grayscale. and of course I had to put a little sass on him because he isn't entirely done in that classic 1920s style. I think I gave him a little bit more of his modern eyes and, uh, and he may or may not be holding up the middle finger, but that was just kind of an afterthought. So what I did was actually drew him out and he's got a very classic pose where his, uh, his right arm is kind of behind his back. And his, his, he's kind of like leaning back on his left leg and his, his right leg is kind of out with his, his foot at like a 90 degree angle. It's just kind of like leaning back on his foot, on his heel. And he just happens to be like with a great big smile on his face and uh, yeah, flipping the bird. So, you know, true, authentic Mickey Mouse style. What I did after I drew him... Was I used a technique that I had used before, and I talked about it on the on the podcast, where I used a squeegee to essentially paint um, in a way. And what I did with that was, even though I intended to paint Mickey Mouse himself in the grayscale, I wanted to add some color behind him. And so what I did was used the color scheme of the modern Mickey Mouse. So I've got black, white, but also reds and some yellow in there to kind of match his, his his shorts and the buttons on his shorts and so on. And I put it all at the top along the, along the very uh, top kind of right-hand corner edge. And then I use the squeegee just to pull it straight down. And so you've got a, a, a significant amount of just like different colored stripes just right down that whole side of the piece. And once that was done and that dried then i went back through and started to go to town on the mouse himself and so he is done exclusively in the grayscale so primarily black and white but with that i also used various shades of gray i can't remember how many it's like either 49 or maybe 51 ballpark i can't remember exactly uh, shades of gray and created this this classic image and there's a lot of highlighting with white paint pen and I went around the entire piece uh, to give him a completely white outline and until you actually like look up close at it, you don't necessarily it's just everything just blends It's just kind of organic and and it fits now in addition to that I I have used a stencil that I've used several times and many other pieces. And I've talked about a lot on the show with the, with the birds, um, just like kind of those random flocks of birds in all different patterns and and sizes. And so I did a couple different colors with that. I did a very, very light blue and then a very, very light gray and kind of just layered those a little bit kind of up in the corner. There wasn't really a rhyme or reason to that, but I wanted to give, even though Mickey's done in the gray scale, I've got the colors in the background and then I've got the, the different layers of birds all together and there's a couple more elements that I'm going to talk about but all together it's kind of it almost resembles almost resembles some graffiti and what I mean by that is because along the background you've got the stone wall of the original painting it kind of gives the impression of just like kind of that brick wall even though know, they're not bricks they're clearly stones because they're very random in all different sizes and colors but it just to me it reads kind of a graffiti, especially the fact that he's got his middle finger up. Um, just so happened to capture that as he thought nobody was looking. I don't know. Um, sometimes, you know, not all heroes wear capes, you know what I'm saying? So in addition to that, I drew some some very specific and bold red lines Kind of emerging. I mean, they're they're clearly behind him, but they they look like they're coming out of his head, or you know, out of his you know his uh, his left leg. And it's not so much that they're coming out; it's just like that's the closest thing in proximity to them. I used just a ruler and a red paint pen, and I just drew these lines. They kind of resemble beams of light, or just just kind of emanating beams beams coming off of him. Not beans. Uh, no beans. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, so th- there's just a lot going on. My favorite part of the whole piece happened by mistake. It wasn't intended. It just kind of came together that way. There's a spot on his face, kind of right down the middle of his face, and then also on his right leg, kind of from his waist down to his, I guess, his his knee, or the edge of his shorts, whatever the hell, um, where the paint didn't fully take to the canvas and it ha- it just produced like this reaction to where it's got like this built-in organic crackle technique and it was really kind of fitting it, like it really works it was something like you have to zoom in on it to see it just from the the photograph that once I post it here uh on the Facebook but like you would have to uh, like up close I can see it clear as day and to me, it just works. Like, I really like how it, it just, it adds to the piece. It was completely unintentional, but it's it's awesome. I'm super happy with it. I think anything else, had I wanted it not to look like that, I'd have been disappointed. But it just works, and it, it feels good. So um, I did not make an effort to to paint over it. I feel like because there's a couple of layers of paint elsewhere, uh, for example like where I used the squeegee and kind of brought extra paint down and then I painted over that. it probably acted as a primer uh, but for some reason just that little section that uh, didn't have anything beneath it it just it reacted in such a way and it, it just to me it's it's pretty badass so I, I dig it but yeah that's the mouse uh, finished also on 3 June of 23. The dimensions for this, if I haven't mentioned it yet, are 12 by 16. An actual 12 by 16, not like almost. And um, I enjoyed it because it was, like I said, I wanted to somewhat challenge myself a little bit uh, with the the black and white or the grayscale color scheme. Kind of a nod to that classic 20s Mickey Mouse, but also kind of give them a little little bit of spice um, and a little bit of modern graffiti type look to him. Hey, Marley mates. What's that you ask? Where can I get my official Marley Ramones Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast merch? Well, I'll tell you. Head on over to Spreadshirt.com and you can find a whole plethora of different things. We got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, coffee mugs, you name it. So you can rock out with your gear on. What did you think I was going to say? Go on over, show some love and uh, sport your podcast gear. Like a boss. Okay, folks, thank you for joining again this week. Art is a powerful thing, and I appreciate your willingness to hear my stories. And if you keep listening, I'll keep talking. I urge you to do what makes you happy and never accept anyone that treats you less than. Have the courage to be you and try things on. Besides, every day is Halloween. Special thanks to our friends at Pecan Pie and Subsonic Voodoo for providing these epic musical selections. To see these works as discussed, follow on Facebook at Marley Ramone's Mad Mad House of the Dead podcast page or on Instagram at M-R-M-M-H-O-D. You can find this podcast on most major streaming platforms. And most importantly, if there's one thing that you take away from this stupid little podcast, it's to remember that you are not alone ever. Dial 988 for the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or Veterans Crisis Line, also 988, then press 1. Or text to 838-255. Until next time, be creative and go tell someone you love them.